podcast, I welcome you, and um, I'm excited about today's message. If I sound a little uh, scratchy of voice, it's because we had church this morning. Come on. And how many of y'all expecting to have some church right now? Come on. I'm going to need you to help me out, all right? So you preach me down. We're going to have some fun today, all right? Um, a few things I want to real quickly say before I get into today's message, and that is, first of all, thank you for all those who were on the journey of seven days of fasting with us. Come on. So many of you were. Give yourself a hand right now. We had four incredible nights. Well, one got canceled, uh, 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 but we had incredible nights of prayer. It was powerful having the house uh, with a lot of people in it and praying and fasting together. Thank you for that. Listen, fasting should sometimes be corporate, sometimes be private, so don't let this be your last fast this year. In fact, if you didn't fast with us, don't feel embarrassed or any sort of shame, but let this be a challenge that pick a, pick a day or pick a sun up to a sundown or pick one day or three days to, to fast. Pick seven days. Pick 21 days. Pick 40. I don't know. Pick a number, and, and God will honor it, but just it should be a regular part. Here's I was doing a sun up to sundown fast, a Jewish fast, and on the last day, the last day God challenged me to go 24 hours with, with, with nothing but just water. And I know some of y'all did that, and I think that's awesome. I've done that in the past. Um, but I, here's what I heard God telling me. I need your spirit to remember what it's like to hunger. Come on, and I want to encourage you. If you want a little bit of fire or hunger, sometimes you just have to do without some of the world just to remind your spirit that, like my wife was saying, there are another levels. Come on, there's, we go from glory to glory, strength to strength, and I want to keep on going there. So, hey, thank you for those who fasted. One more time, put your hands together for yourself or someone next to you. Also, I want to give a shout out to one of my favorite things we do every year. We do a marriage investment, a marriage conference every February. And on the first Saturday of February, we're going to have a marriage conference. I believe it's going to be our best one yet. I would love for Lift Church to be known in the community as someone who's helping marriages, supporting marriages, investing in marriages, and believes in marriages because God believes in marriages. Amen? And I don't care if, if you've gone through a failed one or a not-so-great one. I'm not causing trying to cause shame or, or, or embarrassment, I, I'm saying, hey, from here, let's believe what God has to say. And we, we've, we've dug even deeper this year. We've had great content in the past, but this year we're bringing in authors and podcasters from Arizona. They're the podcasters of a successful relationship podcast series called Empowered Couples. It's Jocelyn and Aaron Freeman, and they are the writer of two books, um, one of them is called The Argument Hangover. And my wife and I got about four chapters deep into this, and we were like, this is going to help some people out in their relationships, and we need to have them in person. So I need you to mark your calendars. I would love for you to register starting now. It's for those who are married, want to be married, want to be married again, plan to be married. Come on. You can sign up for that. And I also ask you as a favor. Would you tell at least two other couples, listen, I believe this is going to be an investment for you. I don't care. I, I love it if they don't go to our church because God is for marriages. I don't even care if they're saved or a Christian yet. Come on. Can you, you know some people who are going through some struggling marriages, you don't have to raise your hand. Just say, you need to come because we're doing this investment. I think it's going to be good. Amen. Who likes to read books? Because this is a great book and you'd like this book. Come on. Run up here real quick. I saw you, Michelle. Come on. Get up here. Here you go. I'm going I'm to throw to you to give to her. Thank you. I, 
I love you, Michelle. I trusted his skills to catch. Come on. <laughs> so, come on. It's going to be good. And uh, we have that book in our resource center if you'd like to jump in on that and, and start reading. Hey, I'm excited about continuing this series. We're on week two of a series called Donkey Faith, and I cannot recommend more last week's message. In fact, you need to go on our YouTube channel or our podcast, subscribe to it, but definitely listen to last week's message if you didn't, because we're going to keep on building from here. If you didn't, you won't be lost today, but I'm telling you, I feel like that was a message for the year, and, and I really want you to make sure you do that as a homework and check that out. Let's go in our Bibles to Numbers chapter 22. We're talking about a story that includes two men with a name starting with a B, Balaam and Balak. We're talking about um, the nation of Israel and a talking donkey. Come on. Last week was about the talking donkey, and King Balak is a worldly, powerful king of a secular city called Moab, and he's scared that the nation of Israel is coming. They've been wiping off territories left and right, and he believes they're next. And so he tries to hire a proven sorcerer, a diviner named uh, Balaam. He would be like a modern-day uh, voodoo priest or a psychic or some sort of uh, divination-type person to try to curse the nation of Israel so they would not win. And here's what the Bible says when Balaam finally got to Balak. Um, it says, look, now I have come, but I have no power to say whatever I want. If you were here last week, he was like, I just got the craziest story. I rode a talking donkey, and there was an angel with swords in it, and all this kind of stuff. And while I want your money, and why I want your gifts, and why I want the, the, the position you want to give me, I've come to the conclusion I can't cross this God. Okay, so I can't speak freely, he says. I will speak only the message that God puts in my mouth. The next morning... King Balak took Balaam up to Bemeth Baal, a mountain. From there, he could see some of the people of Israel spread out below him. Then Balaam said to King Balak, build me seven altars here and prepare seven young bulls and seven rams for me to sacrifice. Let me hit a pause real quick and help you understand. There is no godly precedence for what he's asking Balak to do. God has never previously said, build me altars, um, do seven bulls and seven, uh, uh, um, what was the second animal, <laughs> and, and do that. In other words, he's still resorting back to his mystical sorcerer ways. Excavations have proven he was the type of sorcerer who would sacrifice birds and animals, dissect them, open up their organs, and then believe that he would get a message from the heavens out of doing this practice. So he has got one foot in the practice of pagan worldlyism, and he's got one foot into trying to be the voice of God. Can you relate any? Do you know anybody who's got one foot in the world, one foot in the church? Come on. One foot in wanting to do the right thing, one foot in still doing the old things. You know what I'm talking about. This is our boy Balaam. And he says, Balak followed his instructions, and the two of them sacrificed a young bull and a ram on each altar. And then Balaam said to Balak, stand here by your burnt offerings, and I will go see if the Lord will respond to me. Then I will tell you whatever he reveals to me. So Balaam went alone to the top of a bare hill, and God met him there. 
Oh, how sweet those four words are. God met him there. Look how overlooking our God is. Look how merciful our God is. Look how desiring to connect with us our God is. He understands Balaam is all mixed up. Half worldliness, half godliness. He is jacked up. I need you to understand that you don't have to be perfect for our God to say, I want to meet with them. I want to connect with them. I want to use them. And I know they're not there yet, but I so desire relationship with them. That he is showing up to a jacked up sorcerer like Balaam. Our God is so long suffering and overlooking because he desires a relationship with us. And by the way, we're not perfect, yet he's present anyway. It says in verse 5 the Lord gave Balaam a message for King Balak. He says, How can I curse those? Whom God has not cursed. How can I condemn those whom the Lord has not condemned? I see them from the clifftops. I watch them from the hills. I see people who live by themselves set apart from every other nation. Do you know it's God's desire always to set apart his nation? It's God's desire to set apart his people. It's God's desire to set apart his people from the world that they would be distinguished, that they would be separated, that they would be uh, standing out. And, and, and Balaam's almost getting envious that he's not one of them. He knows he's all mixed up in both and he knows I'm not who they are. I've got a long journey to go. He, you can almost hear it in his voice as he continues. Who can count Jacob's descendants as numerous as dust who can count even a fourth of Israel's people let me die like the righteous let my life end up like theirs here he is wishing he could be more like them then King Balak demanded of Balaam shut up <laughs> what have you done I, I paid you to curse these people I brought you to curse my enemies. Instead, you have blessed them. And I'm going to stop there. But the Bible goes on to say three more times, Balaam is saying, hey, maybe you could curse them if you could look at them from this angle. Let's go over on this mountaintop and maybe you'll curse them then. And he blesses them. And it happens three, it happens four times in all. And what I want to share with you today is that even though King Balak's offered Balaam great incentives to curse God's people, God won't allow it. There is a big payday to curse God's people, and God will have none of it. It displays today's topic, the sovereignty of God. And what is the sovereignty of God? It's a big idea that I can't explain in a 30-minute message. But here's what I've summed it up down to in just one sentence. No matter the plans of men, God's plans will prevail. That's what the sovereignty of God is. No matter the plans of men, God's plans will prevail. We, we, we see that if the king next door conspires to curse you, God covers you. When the sorcerer wants the headlines at your expense, the sovereign comes to your defense. Come on. When Pharaoh says no, God still lets his people go. Come on. When the Red Sea means captivity, God parts it mightily. When, when you run into the strength of Jericho's walls, God drops them all. I'm trying to tell you that when David is up against Goliath, God's security uh, always means he triumphs. And when Caiaphas crucifies Christ, God raises him to life anyway. I'm trying to tell you that our God is the God who is always able. When he's up against the odds, 
of all odds, when it doesn't look good, when it looks bleak, when the percentages are against you, our God is always able. I can't, like I said, describe his sovereignty in just one message. So I would encourage you, if you love this type of talk or you want to go deeper, I'm teaching a basic doctrine course along with Pastor Jordy in this next small group semester. There's information coming up on the screen. It's part of our Lift College evening intensive program. So it's a low-cost alternative. If you want to deep dive and go deeper in doctrine with us, you can get more information in the hallway or at the QR code. But today, I have a one-point message with four supporting points. Here's the first point. Say, I'm ready. Say, I'm taking notes. Come on. I I hope some of you, oh yeah, I'm taking notes, Pastor. Here we go. You can trust in God. That's my one point today. In fact, I've I've named this message Donkey Faith 2, I Trust in God. And I want you to lean in today because... Trusting in God, I have four supporting points of what this means, learning from this message today. There's four things that trusting God means. Number one, it means this, and I sure hope you're taking notes because this message is on point. You're going to need it. Number one, you want to be on God's side. Trusting God means you're going to want to be on God's side. I had half a mind to write this point from the negative side. You ain't going to want to end up not on God's side. But I decided to make it a little bit more positive. I I decided to make it what it needs to be, that you're going to want to be on God's side. When it all comes down, whatever side God's on, you're going to want to be on God's side. Hearing God sovereign over it all could lead to the question, why does God allow evil at all? And many people have thought this before, and many people have grappled with this before. And let me just tell you this. That to understand God's sovereignty, there's oftentimes big tensions in the Bible. So let me be a teacher for just a minute. You can't understand who God is if you just think he's a lion. He is fierce, he is strong, he is mighty, he is most powerful. But you aren't getting the full picture of him until you get a full revelation that he's a lamb. He's sacrificial. He's a substitute for you. He's willing to lay down his life for you. And by the way, this is what it looked like when Jesus hung on the cross too. And so to understand who God is, you got to understand he's lion, he's lamb. He is alpha. He created it all. He started it all. But he is also omega. He will finish it all. He puts the period on the sentence you got to understand that he is full of grace he is full of mercy but you only got a small picture of him until you understand he's full of truth too and so the 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 the, the understanding of God is not in the this is who he is it's in the this is who he is and sovereignty is much the same way God chose to give his sovereignty a balance It's called human responsibility. God is sovereign, but we have a human responsibility too. In other words, though his sovereignty, he gives us responsibility to choose. You and I can choose good or evil. Come on, I put behold in front of you life or death. I pray you will choose life today. In other words, I respect your right to make your own decision. And by the way, since he gave you and I a decision and didn't make us the first generation of AI robots who just have to do what its creator told it to do, 
because he respected us with the capacity to decide, that means you and I can choose good or evil. In fact, you should write this down. God doesn't choose evil. We do. So when you want to answer to the question, why does God allow evil at all? It starts with you and I. Let's go back to the Garden of Eden. God, how much evil did he do? He hooked us up with a plush garden, hooked us up with a plush wife. Come on. Listen, the second man, he said, I call her, whoa, man. Come on. Okay. Uh, he, he, he said, you, you can, some of y'all just getting that. All right. So. He, he, he says, you can have all the trees. Come on, I, I'm hooking you up with good work. And, and God says, I'm, I'm, I'm blessing you. I'm connecting you. I, I'm for you. Who is it that chose evil? It was Adam and Eve who chose evil. And we've been doing that ever since. And so um, God's we need to understand this. There is a balance to human responsibility, though. Though, though. though we could choose evil after evil so that someone like Hitler could take it to an extreme where we're like, why would you even allow this, God? God, are you still on the throne? Are you even real? Why? why if you're good, why would you allow these atrocities? Because I need you to also understand he's still sovereign. God's sovereignty won't allow his will to be thwarted. In other words, evil will always be nothing more than a dog on a leash. But there is a leash. It can only go so far. And at the moment that evil starts going to try to thwart God's sovereignty, that's the point where God will just go, I've been God all along. And I say, that's enough. When, when the ocean said, how far can I come? He said, how about right there? And he created Ocean City, Maryland. Come on. Can I get an amen? Then water said... I'm going to tell you how far I can go. And he said, nah, I call that a beach. Okay, anyway, that's like God's like thug talk. Look at that beach. That could have preached a little more than I thought. Okay, anyway. <laughs> so, I, mean, I, I pray for your pastor. Okay. In other words, you're going to want to end up on God's side. You're going to want to end up on his side. In fact, Isaiah 2.12 says that God has a day of reckoning. For the Lord of heaven's army has a day of reckoning, and he will punish the proud and mighty. He will bring down everything that is exalted. Listen to these verbs he goes on to say. He will cut down, level, and break down every high tower and every fortified wall. In other words, what has tried to prevail against God is nothing before God. It will not prevail. It will not thwart his ideas. There is no point that God will ever, ever go, oh my goodness, I've lost complete control what are they doing down there i don't know how i'm gonna undo it <gasps> the whole plan's gone to crap god will not because he's sovereign and while he allows human responsibility he's sovereign and balak and balaam were on the wrong side of god and it ended up being slavery for the moabites and it ended up being infamy for uh, balaam and, and but the nation of israel was on the right side and it ended up being divine protection and divine blessing in other words tell your neighbor you're going to want to be on the right side y'all weak on that one so many of us have fomo you know what i'm talking about fomo Fear of missing out, help out some older generations right now. Come on, help a boomer out right now. FOMO, fear of missing, okay. Where are you like, are y'all going to the party and I didn't get invited too? Are y'all doing that and that sounds fun too? Or are y'all going on this and I don't have that? Oh, yeah. Can I tell you the worst FOMO of all? 
will be the fear of missing out on heaven when you realize that I, 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 I deserve hell, I am going to hell, and I have the fear of missing out of the party of all parties. So you're going to want to end up on God's side. Number two, trusting in God means taking matters into just your hands only makes matters worse. Taking matters into just your hands only makes matters worse. It's a question of what are you truly relying on? See, Balak's fears ended up being unwarranted. He was scared of the nation of Israel, had them on their hit list as they're up next. But can I tell you that our Bible has declared that the Moabites were part of God's lineage through Lot and he had a covenant already established that the Moabites had nothing to fear because literally in Deuteronomy, the Bible says this, it says, the Lord warned us, do not bother the Moabites. That includes King Balak and the Moabites. The descendants of Lot or start a war with them, I have given them R as their property. I gave them a piece of land and I will not give you any of their land. In other words, God was already protecting them, but because Balak tried to take matters into his own hands, he made matters worse. The end conclusion for the Moabites is they become slaves to the Israelites. They would have lived peacefully at least as far as Israel's concerned. They would not have been touched. God would have said as Israel tried to journey through it, go around them for they're your kinsmen and I've already got a covenant with them. Go around. But because King Balak tried to take matters into only his own hands alone, and he was like, I will try it with military might. I will try it with wisdom. I'll get consultation. I'll hire a sorcerer and a voodoo priest to jack them up. God's like, okay, Fine. If you want to take matters into just your hands, you're going to make your own matters worse. The question comes down, did you even seek the Lord first? I wonder if God was trying to say to Balak, like, did you ask my opinion first? You know how many kings in our Bible got all jacked up because they didn't ask the Lord first? King Saul lost his sanity and his kingdom because he didn't ask the Lord first. King Nebuchadnezzar said, I am God. Look at what I've created. I have done this all on my own, only in my hands. I've taken matters in my own hands. And both of them lost their sanity and both of them lost their kingdoms. And Balak's about to find the same thing. You want to do it exclusively on your own? Try to be God and see if the weight of the world doesn't crush you till you lose your mind, you lose your peace, you lose your sanity, you lose your joy, you're full of anxiety. Like Balak, we often say we trust God, but we act as if it's solely up to us. Come on, we're Christians running around going, oh my goodness, did you hear the news? Did you hear the latest headline? I, 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 just, got, I just got a demotion. I can't believe it. We got to make sure that we do this, that, or the other. Come on, we're anxious over our homes, our future, our kids, our marriage, the next president, money, work, our loved one's health. And we're running around like, yeah, we got some responsibility for this, but let's not mistake that we don't dismiss God's sovereignty over all of this. In other words, even if man seems to prevail, God will always prevail. And so let's not run around as people who do not have a faith in a fixed God who isn't sovereign. Let's not run around as if our God is small and our problems are big. 
Let's run around as, as if our biggest problems are small compared to our huge God. And, 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 and sometimes you show up at a dilemma going, we got to feed 3,000 people. All I got is five loaves and two fish. God says, that's human responsibility. You give me just a little bit of your human responsibility. Watch my sovereignty take care of the rest. And so sometimes all you got to do is show up at a fight knowing, come on, I'm very weak in responsibility, but God's sovereignty will take care of every element in exponential supply. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says it this way. Listen to the verbs. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's already done. Then and only then will you experience God's peace, which will exceed anything we can understand. Someone say, God is sovereign. Say, I will trust. I was listening recently to Tim Keller preach a message, and Tim Keller is a gift to the body of Christ, an intellectual genius in, in the Bible, and he recently passed away, and I was listening to one of his podcasts, and I felt like I needed to share it today, how, how he shared that so many of our problems are us not trusting God. Listen to this 45-second clip. Here's how we apply this. First of all, will you see that all of your problems, and I mean all of your problems, and I mean all of your problems, come because you don't trust the promises of God. Your anchor's not all the way down. Do you know why you're worried? You don't trust his wisdom. You really don't. Do you know why you're angry and maybe bitter? You don't trust his justice. Do you know why some of you hate yourselves? Because you don't trust his love and his grace. In fact, do you know why you disobey any time ever, why you ever do the wrong thing? Because you don't trust that God, God himself, God's presence, is better than anything you could possibly get by disobeying. In other words, you believe, I better do what will make me happy because if I trust God, if I trust God, if I trust God all the way to the bottom, I will miss out. Here's how we apply this. You could turn that First off. First of all, I think that's such a powerful clip that we've got to go all in on trusting God. We've got to completely believe him that his sovereignty will handle what my ability is limited to do. Can I get an amen? It means taking matters into just your hands only makes matters worse. Let's look at number three. Number three, God is watching your back. I think there's something comical about this whole story of Numbers 22 to 24. If you look at the nation of Israel, God's people, they ain't got a clue what's going on in the mountaintop up beneath, uh, above, uh, above them. Above, 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 spit it out. They're in a valley down below, and they're almost, I don't know, I almost imagine it as ignorant, maybe almost uh, dumbfounded, or even doofuses of the whole situation. They're just kind of going, man, life is good. While up top, a powerful king is hiring a sorcerer to vex and curse them, and yet the whole time, God is watching their back. I'm telling you, I believe one day, you and I are going to not have a clue how 
much God has shielded over our lives. Proverbs 2 verse 7 says, God is a shield to those who walk in integrity. In other words, when you're right with him, he has got your back and he is protecting your back all day long. Jack, come on. I hope there's some jacks up in here. Someday, our gratitude for his goodness, we will realize is woefully inept for how good he has actually been to us. Like, we're going to be up in heaven one day, and, and, and he's going to go, whew, that was close in 2024. And you're going to go, what are we talking about? That, that wasn't close. And he's going to go, 2024, that was, that, that was a tough year for us. And you're going to go, it was a good year. Yeah, I, I remember it being peaceful. Uh, I had more joy than ever before. Uh, business was booming, good relationships. I don't recall that being a bad year, and God's going to go, because you didn't have a clue that Bal Balak and Balaam were up on a hill right behind you conspiring against you. You didn't have a clue that the cubicle next to you, they were conspiring to get you removed. You had no clue that the business across town was trying to shut you down. You had no clue that the, 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 that the enemy was coming after your health. You have no idea what I protected you from. It was a close call, and we're just like the nation of Israel going, look how cool this is. 2024 is great. And we're going to realize one day in heaven, oh my God. That's what happened? Like, literally, we're going to go, oh my you. That's what you protected me from? That's what you were doing? This is why the Bible says angels perpetually surround Jesus' throne saying, holy, holy, holy. I think they're going, holy, oh, holy cow, holy. Oh my goodness, you did it again. I didn't think it was going to happen, but holy, look at you, God. You always come through. Your ways always prevail. It didn't look good, but holy, holy moly. Holy God. By the way, anytime you hear three words in a row in your Bible, it's because Scripture is not saying it with a stutter. It's because it gets triple emphasis. The angels are going, holy. Oh. They have no clue how you're watching their back. And I need to tell you today that if you will walk in integrity, God is watching your back. When God sets his mind to protect, can't nothing stop him is what I'm trying to tell you. I know that's improper English, but I need to go a little bit street on you today so that you realize can't nothing stop him when you're walking right with him. So trusting in him gives me a peace that surpasses all understanding. In fact, King Herod got scared when the wise men showed up and said a, a king from heaven has been born and he says go find out all the boys in Bethlehem and abort them kill them before this king can become an adult you want to see God's sovereignty on display I heard one preacher say this why then was it that the cradle was not despoiled of its treasure because it was divinely protected. There were wings hovering over that mortal eye could not see. There were armed immortals whose brandished sword mortal eye could not follow. There were chariots of the omnipotent, the rumbling of whose wheels only supernaturals could hear. God had started through the cradle to save our world and nothing could stop him. Can I get an amen? God is watching your back. Someone say, God's watching your back. Tell your neighbor, God's watching your back. I need you to say it with the same passion this preacher up here is saying. God's watching your back. 
and it means this in number four. Three times, Balak hired Balaam with great incentives to curse God's people. And on the third time, Balaam went up to the hill trying to curse the Israelites, and he started blessing them. And the Bible says this, Balak angrily clapped his hands and shouted, I called you to curse my enemies. Listen, a powerful king's going, I'm powerful, stop it. I'm paying you good money, stop it. How powerful do you look when you're up there going, hey, magician, stop it. Hey, sorcerer, stop, 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 stop. I'm trying to control the narrative and you won't let me take control. Because by the way, you don't really have control. You can tell your mind you've got perfect control. But in the end, you just look like an idiot clapping your hands going, stop it. This is what I paid for. I wanted you to curse them and you just keep blessing them. So number four, and I need somebody to help me to preach the rest of this message. If this resonates with you, trusting in God means number four, God's going to turn it around. Can I get an amen? Listen. God's going to turn it around. He ain't done yet. Hold on. Let me say this and then we're going to get excited here. Listen. We judge God on how far back we can see compared to where we are today. And because of that, while we look at that, we come to the conclusion, where are you, God? I thought you loved me, God. Are you even real, God? Like, how could you let this happen to me, God? I've been trying to walk with you. How could this come? I, I can't believe. I, I, I don't even know if you're a good God because I'm, I'm just looking at this much. But can I help you understand that you and I are just looking in our paradigm of just this much in light of eternity? Because God doesn't look at things from your beginning. He looks at them from his beginning. Can I illustrate where his beginning is? It's not here. It's not here. It is all the way over here and keeps on going to what is west of this place. Somebody help me out. <laughs> He's all the way at the Chesapeake River. I don't know. Come on. And God's looking at it. You're going. You're going. God, I, I, I don't know why you weren't being good here and this doesn't look like you, God. And God's going. I'm not judging it just from here to here. But I also judge it on the perfect conclusion. And God's perfect conclusion is all the way over here and beyond to the ocean. And so what you and I might look and go, God, what are you doing? Are you done? He said, I ain't done yet. You're looking at just a small part of the story. I'm God over the entire story. And let me make you a guarantee, God says. When you see the rest of the story unfold, you and I will come to the conclusion. I didn't know what the heck you were doing. I didn't know how you were moving, and I, I wasn't even sure what was going on. But you and I will come to the conclusion where we say, what you did was the most just, most kind, most loving, most compassionate thing I could have ever dreamed up or imagined. You are greater than anything I could dream up or imagine. And I was judging you just on what I could see from here to here. But now that I know the whole story, I'm starting to realize you are good, God. You are merciful. You are amazing. You are so very kind. You never stopped loving me. You never left me. You never abandoned me. You had me from the beginning. Tell your neighbor if he doesn't look good right now, he's going to turn it around. Tell somebody if it doesn't
doesn't look good right now, he's going to turn it around. And if you want God to move that way, if you believe it, then stand up and give God some praise. If you need it, stand up and give God some praise. If you trust it, stand up and give God some praise.